The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron laughed. No, oh, he what did it. No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Yo, what's up, Aaron? That man finally made it to Kansas City. He finally made it to Kansas City. What's good, Mark? Yeah, man. You know, the mayor of Kansas City had to, had to return, man. Had to make sure everything's in order out here. <laughs> I, I, it was it, it was a big birthday celebration in the city. Whole city had to shut down. I had streets blocked off. I had to pay cover to get in a certain building because I, I found out it was Mark Gunnell's birthday. First and foremost, happy belated birthday to you from everybody here at, at, at Coast to Coast. How old are you? I don't want to reveal my age, man. But, uh, <laughs> but just just know, man, another another year around the sun, baby, and I appreciate it. That's when you know dudes are getting old because they don't even really want to let everybody know what the situation is. Really <laughs> it's, it's like, ah, uh, well, uh, I'm somewhere between uh, here and <laughs> somewhere between here and there. Just know, man, I, I still look good, baby. Happy belated birthday, Mark Gunnels. As soon as you stepped in the city, KC lit a blaze. It's like 90 degrees in the city now. And I'm blaming you for that. You and the L.A. roots. We didn't get a, a, a jump to spring at all. It's just hot. Yeah, man. I brought sunny California with me, man. It's just it's crazy how it works out like that. And you know what else is crazy? It's crazy that we haven't met each other yet, man. I haven't linked up with you. You're too busy to link up with these days. Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because we have met before. We've talked about this before on this podcast. No, but I'm talking about in the town, in Kansas City. It's going to happen soon. You're in the city until Sunday. I'm in this. I had some scheduling. You know, uh, somebody on this pod has to work, has to see the Chiefs. So I was at rookie minicamp while you were lounging and sipping on something strong. And uh, we're going to make it happen. Best believe. You're not going to be able to dodge me forever, Mr. Gunnels. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. We're going to make it happen. But about the Chiefs, what about that draft? Let's get into it, baby. Kind of crazy. Last time we talked, I noticed didn't make it onto the uh, podcast feed. But but that's why it's so important that you all follow us. I know we talked about this last pod. Uh, Chiefs Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We're here on Twitter Spaces every Tuesday in your podcast app. That next day. And last time we talked was after the first round. Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis joined the kingdom. Uh, and, and since then, eight more players drafted. They went real heavy on defense, which is something we were begging them to do on this podcast. Leading up, We'll kind of start with that, the emphasis on defense. What do you think for, uh, from Brett Veach's perspective on uh, what he was able to do with spe- specific to the draft? I think the main thing that stands out for me is value. I mean, he got great value throughout the draft, getting guys where they were projected to be higher than where they went. And I think he really landed on physicality. I think he really uh, made an emphasis on that. He wants his defense to be more physical and more athletic. So, I mean, they're younger, faster, and more physical. I mean, when uh, what Leo Chanel, he was at Arrowhead, what, about a week ago, <laughs> and they asked him, like, what was his game, whatever, what he likes to do. And he was like, man, 
I just love being violent and physical and just hitting, you know, like, and I, when I saw that, I instantly thought, yeah, that guy's going to be a fan favorite. And then you got George Karloftis where they can't even slow him down at rookie, Ricky minicamp. They're saying he's going hundred miles per hour, but that's a good sign because they need guys that have a motor that are not going to stop because we saw plenty of times last year, the chiefs would get pressure, but they couldn't finish the deal. So you got a young guy in there that's relentless and never gives up on the play. I think that's a good sign for the Chiefs moving forward. And they also got a lot of depth in that secondary as well. I mean, obviously with McDuffie, but even the kid Joshua Williams in the fourth round, I think he could be a sleeper. I like his size, his uh, measurables. He's a very, very smart and smart kid as well. So he may be a little raw at first, but I think that could be a guy that's going to blossom for the Chiefs. And they've been known to get corners in the later rounds or even undrafted guys like Charvarius Ward, for example, and they ended up being a lot better than people expect. I love how you started off talking about value. I think that that could be one of the overwhelming themes of what Brett Veach was able to do in this year's draft. 12 picks going in. We knew they weren't going to use all 12 of them, uh, but what were they going to be able to get uh, staying in those positions possibly or, or moving up using some of those those resources that they had? Uh, and, and really the big the big move was the move up for McDuffie. Uh, you secure that there. That's a guy that I expect to come in and be a contributor from day one. Uh, another pick that, that just jumps off the page, and, and it's almost just deja vu from, from last year, man. It's Kennard in the fifth round. This is the guy that uh, was labeled a guard. They think is a tackle. Physicality something that you talked about. Uh, what he could offer the Chiefs at right tackle from day one. Uh, is exactly that, somebody who has a physical presence and has played that position in the SEC on a week-in, week-out basis. It just reminds me so much of uh, of the Trey Smith pick from last year, a guy that kind of slid a little bit further than some were expecting. All of, his, all of his quotes have been about the chip on the shoulder, and, and that stands out to me. Uh, it, this is somebody that uh, is going to use that to kind of to motor them through uh, their NFL season, their NFL journey their career and I just really like that canard pick if we had to pick one I know we don't have to pick one because you, you know you're on Chiefs Twitter these last couple these last couple weeks it, it seems like it was 10 for 10 but realistically that's just not how it works Gunnels you know that oh yeah 100% I mean everybody's not gonna pan out but I mean, if you can get at least three or four impact guys for the next four or five years I think that's a home run especially if they're impacting day one. I mean, like last year's draft, you had, like, obviously the Trey Smith, uh, the Creed Humphrey, right? So you had guys that came in instantly and contributed from day one. And I think that could be a case, again, Nick Bolton, also the defense side of the ball. So you have three guys right there. And I think this is similar. And you may even have maybe four or five, you know, I never want to get into potential starters out of this group. And I think you're going to have a few, but I definitely am very pleased because here's the thing about Brett Veach. Before last year's draft, there's been a lot of question marks about his draft picks, and deservedly so. But last year he nailed it, and so far I think this year on paper, obviously we have to see them play on the field. I know you're not a grade guy. I know you hate draft grades. I saw your tweet. But they graded very well this year so far. And what does that mean, Mark? Is the draft grade going to get a jersey number and run out the tunnel at Arrowhead Stadium on week one? Is the draft grade going to score a touchdown for Kansas City? Like, that's that's just the disconnect that I have with Chiefs Kingdom sometimes. It's like, yo, it looks great on paper. KC looks overwhelming on paper. Heck, they looked overwhelming on paper against the Bengals going into that matchup. But football is not played on paper. And a lot of that is out of the hands of Brett Veach. Injuries happen. Uh, setbacks happen. Uh, sometimes you you uh, you know you project a guy to go a certain way, or you project a guy to develop a certain way, especially in Kansas City system, and things don't happen for X, Y, and Z. Uh, out of the ten selections, I like all ten, uh, but that that that's early and that's on paper sort of thing. And I'll read all ten right here really quickly: McDuffie and Carloftis in the first round, Sky Moore and Brian Cook in the second round. Leo Chanel, third, Joshua Williams, fourth rounder, Darian Kennard. I put my star by him in the fifth rounder. And in the seventh round, they grab uh, Watson, Pacheco, and uh, uh, Nazi Johnson, who 
who all participated in rookie minicamp this weekend. We'll touch on a little bit that a little bit later on, on Chiefs Coast to Coast. But my question to my co-host, Mr. Mark Gunnels, the mayor of Kansas City, is out of those 10 selections that we just named, how many of them do you see being starters? I won't say week one starters, uh, but, but let's say starters and contributors at some point in their Kansas City Chiefs career. Oh, okay, since you put it like that, then I'm going to say six. I think there's six guys. I won't I, force you to name all of them, but but name a few of them and why. And, and you said throughout their career in Kansas City, not year one, right? Yeah, not week one right away, but but at some point in their KC career. Okay, I, I, I got the six for you. It's no big deal. So obviously, I think the obvious two, well, obvious three would be McDuffie, Karloftis, and Sky Moore. So that's the three right there. But then you got Darian Kennard, who's going to compete, and maybe he started week one at right tackle. I mean, he's going to compete with uh, Niang and Andrew Wiley at that spot. That's, that position is wide open. So that's four. And then you got Brian Cook at safety. Because we know Spags loves the three-safety look, so we're going to see a lot of that with him, obviously. And he's going to be in that kind of Daniel Sorensen role. He's going to be in there with Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. But he's not going to start week one. But he'll definitely be in there a lot of snaps. And he's going to be a starter eventually at some point. And then the sixth guy I like a lot, who I think people are kind of sleeping on, and I mentioned him earlier, is Leo Chanel. Because right now we know Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are the top two linebackers on this team. But then they brought in Jermaine Carter Jr., a veteran who started all 17 games last year for the Panthers. So I could see him starting week one. But I think at some point in the season, even probably, yeah, probably this year, I think Leo Chanel will show that he's the guy that needs to be there because he's more versatile. And he can also play on the edge as well. So he's not just a linebacker. You can kind of move him around a little bit. He's very athletic. He's hard hitting. He's aggressive. So those are the six guys I believe at some point in their Chiefs career would be starters. And I think you'll probably agree. And I'll throw a wild card in there as well. Joshua Williams, who I mentioned earlier, that's my bonus. He's not going to start this year, but I do believe in his potential long term. He's such a homer. This man, I said, man, name six. He gave us he gave us all ten in some shape or format. Bert I gave I, I gave you seven, but you can you really argue any of those seven? And, and here's what here's where we'll, we'll differ. I, I agree with pretty much all, all all your guys. Here's why I differ. My sixth guy would actually be Pacheco out of Rutgers. Uh, and I wow. saw I saw two of the three days from from Chiefs minicamp, and of course we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but I see, I actually see a hole for him to come in and be that RB2, RB3 guy as soon as this year. I'm not even exaggerating with that one. When we look at the role, like, for instance, uh, a, a guy that was filled last year, I'm, I'm losing I'm losing the track of mine as soon as I said it. Who was the RB3 last year when Clyde went down? It was, it wasn't Daryl Williams. It wasn't Daryl Williams. It was a smaller dude, and he got compared to, to um, I used to McKinnon, McKinnon, McKinnon. Not McKinnon. It wasn't McKinnon. It was the third dude. I, I'll take my time and look it up real quick. Uh, Derek, no, Derek Gore, Derek Gore, Derek Gore. He sort of appreciates you, my mind. I yeah. Yes, I think he could fill that. I, I really think he could fill that role. This is a guy that's shifty. This is a guy who could, could make plays out of the backfield. He's got a build to him. Looks like an NFL running back entering rookie camp. Uh, if I had to flip-flop two guys, I'd take Leo Chanel off the list and put uh, Pacheco in there just because uh, he impressed me early in camp. I feel like Leo Chanel maybe could start off as a special teams guy. Somebody in this group is going to end up being a special teams guy. We know how important that is to what the Chiefs do and their championship culture. Uh, but Derek Gore, I see so much of him in the Rutgers running back that they added this year. Well, see, Aaron, but you, were, but you asked me at some point in their Chiefs career, not this year. So that's a whole different argument. You're talking about this year right now. I'm talking about the next two or three or four years. And maybe that, and maybe that's a testament to what Veach did this year. Uh, maybe that's a testament to just how deep this draft class is for KC that there's going to be a, a moment for each of these guys where they have an opportunity to contribute, whether it's this year or going forward. Um, this team has so many holes defensively. I'm, I'm just so proud of Brett Veach for listening to the Chiefs and Chiefs Chiefs Coast to Coast podcast and going out there and getting every DB possible, including your guy, Josh Williams, because I do truly believe that there will be a window for, for most of these guys. Yeah. So 
let's talk about just this year in particular. I think you would agree the obvious three guys that are going to start is McDuffie, Karloftis, and Sky Moore. And the only fourth one I think is potential is Darius Kennard. We agree on that for I, this year? I, I think those four coming into camp could, could, couldn't have a spot. Right? We're on the same page about that. I think there will be expectations on all four of them as well, specifically McDuffie. He's going to have to come in and, <laughs> and be a guy right away, Mark. I mean, I mean, I know James Bradbury, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. And obviously we're a lot more comforted with how the DB room looks now than it did going into the draft. But McDuffie, the expectations are to come in and start week one. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, when you get a guy that high, first-round pick, that's always the expectation for a guy of that that magnitude, that stature. And you want to get the most of them. You you don't want to waste any years, right? So unless they're a quarterback, you may sit a year or two. But that's a different situation. And obviously the Chiefs' DB room was very, very light heading into the draft. They hit it very strong, obviously. But, yes, he's going to have to be a guy that's going to have to be a contributor week one. And I think he's I think he's built for it. I know Andrew was talking about his physicality, something that really impressed him. And also just his overall smarts is what really – impressed him you know he has a high iq something that's going to help him when he's going against bigger wide receivers because he's not the biggest corner in the world but he has the iq to where he can have certain advantages and kind of use that to his advantage so i i'm, I'm really excited to see how it's going to work i think there's definitely going to be some growing pains because corner is the toughest position to play in the nfl when you consider the rules you can't really touch guys you can't get too physical it's an offensive driven league so it's meant for them to, you know, kind of run the score up and get open. So it's going to be growing pains, obviously. But I think by midseason and just this defense in general, because that's kind of the Spags way. And especially now you have all these new faces. It's going to think it's going to take some time for them to jail. But I think by midseason, we'll see them at their peak. You talked about growing pains. I mean, Brett Beach had some growing pains as a general manager in previous drafts. And we touched on that a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, patience was the one word that we talked and used a lot in that spaces right after the first round. Uh, I think he should showed a lot of patience, especially in the later rounds, especially in that middle round. Kennard is a guy that probably could have gone higher. They get him in the fifth. Uh, the patience that Beach showed with the 12 picks, with the knees that they had on both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I'm not a draft grade guy, but it's an A or a B for me. You can't say you're not a draft grade guy and then a give a, give a grade. Well, I'm only like, a draft I'm only a draft grade guy because of you and this and this platform. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. You're blaming me for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Blame me for you giving an A or a B. All right. I see how this is going. I see I see. If, what's if going. I come up here and stump up and down and say it's an A class and they gotta come in and do this and that. When when it doesn't turn out that way, or if it doesn't turn out that way, then I got egg all over my face, man. So, you know, I, I got a question for you. I think this is a good um, – we, we need to know the barometer on this. How long do you have to give a draft class to say, okay, this is their final grade? Is it one year, two years, three years? Like, at what point can we officially really grade how good a draft class was? i say three years. To me, it's the length of the contract. It, it is – uh, it, it's like a, it's like a four years of college. You know what I mean? You get your freshman, sophomore, junior, and, and senior year, and then we'll decide if we want to pick up that fifth year option. I, I just can't see draft grades, especially in the NFL, meaning anything until at least year two or three. I saw somebody in the audience throw up year two. It, it just takes time. Certain positions, you're not even going to really touch the field until year two. You talked about quarterback a little bit earlier, but. For instance, a guy like Sky Moore, I mean, you're not going to see the best from him until that second year because this is a dense Andy Reid playbook. There's a lot of pass catchers in that room. It's going to take a little bit f for you to see what the potential is. It, for me, it's it's uh, at the very least three or, three or four. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Sky Moore just to pivot a little bit because I was talking to a couple buddies the other day, and I was really wondering, where is he going to rank as far as targets on this team? And I think he's going to be fourth in targets behind Kelsey, Hardman, and Juju. 
I think it's a, a legitimate conversation. He he didn't really work too much at this uh, at this rookie minicamp. We'll touch on Sky more a little bit later. I want to wrap up two more things before we before we get out of draft talk for this year. Appreciate y'all rocking with us here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. I see a couple hands up. We will take some audience questions towards the end of the pod, so stick with us. Write the question down. Don't forget it. You will be a part of the show. We like having y'all part of the show. Man, Vegas for the draft was something special. All 32 teams represented. International media there. I thought Vegas did a great job of hosting it. Vegas is no stranger to hosting big events. And it just made me it just made me excited for, for KC in 23, man. Yeah, man. So first of all, before we get into KC, break down your experience, man. Tell the people how was it? I know you didn't go see little baby anymore or something. You were supposed to go and you know, you faked on that and you know, how many drinks did you have? I, what was the vibe, man? What was the vibe out there? What, give us the Aaron Ladd experience in Las Vegas. You're funny, man. It was uh, it, it, it was hot. If it, if you in KC right now and you, and you step outside and that mugginess, the shirt sticks to your back after about ten minutes outside. That was the NFL draft experience in Vegas. There, there was two separate stages, and I know everybody watched it at home. I'm sure there was kind of the red carpet in front of the Bellagio fountains. That was kind of the the pre to the draft, and then there was the main stage kind of closer to Caesar's forum and, and, and closer to the strip. It was cool, man. It was a lot of fans, fans from all 32 teams represented there. A lot of chiefs kingdom chiefs kingdom showed out and represented. So a lot of Mahomes jerseys. Uh, and, and as far as the nightlife, I mean, it's Vegas, man. I can't really, uh, I can't, I can't really reveal too much, you know, uh, I didn't go see Lil Baby. The, the cover. Oh, went- wow. Hold on. You can't reveal too much. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, you was out there wilding, huh? All right. That's not true. I, I had to work every day I was out there. <laughs> uh, my best behavior, I was representing our podcast respectfully. Yeah, uh, I know. You're, you're a stand-up guy. You, you wouldn't do anything crazy, man. Oh, but it was good to see folks. I got my buddy Tashawn out there. Tashawn Reed, uh, writer for The Athletic. He covers the... Vegas Raiders out there had a bunch of good friends out there uh, who covered the league and were in town for the draft. And it, it was just a melting pot, man. It was really just a celebration of NFL fandom. There was football stuff everywhere, free stuff everywhere. Everywhere you turn, it was an NFL jersey. And I know it's going to be a tough act to follow because Vegas does big events so well. But I know KC is going to show out. I know KC is going to be under the national spotlight and they're going to do it big when it's here next year, man. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't seen the final decision. I'm not sure if it's made or not yet, but where will it actually be held at? Is it going to be at Union Station? Yeah, it's going to be Union Station area. That's going to be the backdrop. And I actually wrote a little bit about this on arrowheadpride.com if y'all want to go look it up. Um, Clark Hunt, CEO, president of the Chiefs, kind of touched on uh, their role in in the whole festivities next year and what it's going to look like. But Union Station area, uh, it's going to kind of be ground zero for the NFL draft experience. And hopefully we got the the airport right and, and the streetcar right, man, because I'm sick of this construction. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they got to get it right by then. But, yeah, I'm definitely – I'll definitely be back for that next year. So um, I'll be there with you, man, covering the event. I definitely got to show up for that. We can't have the draft without you. Like I said, the may- the mayor has to be in town for the NFL draft. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna announce the, the Chiefs first round pick. So yeah, I definitely gotta be there. You know, and Brett Veach can't trade that pick away. So I'm gonna announce the first round pick next year. I can't wait to see it, man. Absolutely. Having some fun here on Chiefs Coast. <laughs> the Chiefs, newest members of Chiefs Kingdom are in the fold, they're in the facility and participated in a three day rookie mini camp. We saw all the guys that we mentioned before, Carl Loftus, McDuffie. Sky Moore and others. We'll start with Andy Reid and kind of him explaining what these workouts were. And, and one quote that kind of st- stuck out for me was, "Hey, these are basic walkthroughs. We're teaching them the fundamentals of the snap count, how to get in the huddle, how we practice, and kind of some of the championship culture that we have here in Kansas City." So when you're seeing videos and when you're seeing quotes and a lot of stuff from these last three days of practices, I just want to preface it: these guys were in shorts. This is not action. We are so it's it's May, Mark. It's May, man. People just need to just dial it back a little bit. I know we're hungry for cheese, but 
these were these were basically walkthroughs, man. Yeah, and speaking of walkthroughs, I saw you got cooked, man, because you posted that video of Justin Ross falling down on his route, and people were not too happy about that because Justin Ross is obviously the next Randy Moss now, and we can't see anything of him that's negative. So we're very disappointed in you for posting that, by the way. Uh, I knew this was going to come up. I actually have a prepared statement. So I, I, I'm ready to just go ahead and then go ahead and, and, and go with this. I and this is just a blanket statement for any time I, I post videos. I I have nothing personal against Justin Ross. This, this, this is not a this is not a slander campaign to smear Justin Ross and his ability to make the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't want to see him succeed. Why would you show this? It's May, yada, yada, yada. The Chiefs are trying to replace Tyreek Hill, Mark. They have assembled a wide receiver room with very talented wide receivers with the hopes of taking five or six of those guys into the regular season. Justin Ross could possibly be one of those guys. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that he's rusty. He's got a foot injury that's hampered him going into the draft process. He had a congenital fusion in his back that limited him I think it took him out of the, the complete 2019 season for Clemson. This is a guy that's in the mix, but as of right now, and as you saw in the video that I posted, he's having trouble running a little 10-yard out to the pylon, man. It, it, he had a tough camp. He had a rough camp. I'm not reporting anything there. That's out there. That's on Arrowhead Pride. You can read that. He didn't stand out in camp. He's still trying to work back. This is what we would call a lottery ticket for Brett Beach. If it works out, awesome. He signs to the team, contributes. He becomes a great member of the Kansas City Chiefs. But if it doesn't work out, you slap your hands together and say, we tried. Appreciate it, Justin. Thank you so much for the effort. And you go on your separate ways. As of right now, it's not working out. And that's kind of what I was trying to say to the video. But of course, people don't want to hear anything that's not team PR and team focused and, uh, you know, go Chiefs 24-7. Yeah, and when I point stuff like this out, it's not coming from me. I just want you to know that. I'm just listening to the streets of Twitter. So, you know, I'm the voice of the people. So I just wanted you to clear that up if there was any confusion. I know that wasn't your intent, but I saw people kind of responding that way. I'm like, he didn't mean it like that. Like He's not trying to slander the guy. He's just giving out the information and, and the facts. And that's what it is. So I, I just wanted you to have the open floor for that. But uh, I, I do hope I'm rooting for the guy. I know we are rooting for him. Obviously, the story that he has is very uh, touching. Uh, the spinal is nothing to play with, man. Then he had the foot injury. So, I mean, this was a guy, if he stayed healthy, he was a first-round talent. I mean, I remember watching that guy in, in the big-time games, the January Bowl games, going crazy against Notre Dame, just putting up crazy numbers, getting a lot of yak catching over people mossing people like this was a guy that was he was one of those guys but obviously the concerns were out there the red flags with the injury the back no, that's nothing to play with so that scared off a lot of teams but the Chiefs were in a position to take the gamble as they've done before done it with Josh Gordon you know take flyers on these guys former first round picks that were corners so this is another Brett Veach special and if it pans out you got a home run. You got a diamond in the rough. If it doesn't, hey, cut your losses. It doesn't really hurt the team either way. So it's a win-win for the Chiefs. And I, I'm rooting for the guy, though. I hope it pans out. I really do. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I think uh, one more thing on Justin Ross, and then I got a question for you. Uh, I think KC's wide receiver room might be one of the most interesting uh, storylines for the team, especially in, in, in the aftermath of the Tyree Kill trade. Uh, but ultimately, I think two things are true with, with Justin Ross. On one hand, this is a guy that's got uh, top flight talent. There's nobody that can debate that. What he did in that national championship game and really that whole freshman season at Clemson should have him in the first round. Uh, the, the talent speaks for himself. When he's healthy uh, and contributing, he, he, he's one of the best at that position in the sport. But on the other hand, he has been banged up, and he enters the league with a lot of red flags medically. Uh, when you have an opportunity to break through in the league or, or when you're getting a, a shot as a UDFA to sign with a team, uh, you know, they want to see they want to see what you got. They want to see where you're at. And right now, I think maybe after rookie camp, Justin Ross is a little bit further away from contributing than we previously thought. Brett Veach previously said that the Chiefs will carry five or six wide receivers into the season. Five or six. Interesting that he said that. Uh, I, I'm curious, looking at the depth chart now, and we'll start with you. Maybe we agree here again, but who do you think the five or six will, will be? So I'm going to go based on it being six. And I think in a perfect world, these are the six that you would want based on potential and talent. The top four is non-debatable. Juju, Hardman, Sky, and MVS. No debate between those four. So then you have like four or five guys competing for two spots. And I think those last two spots in a perfect world would be Josh Gordon and Justin Ross. Let's one more thing on those last two spots. Why those last two? Because it's a couple other guys in that mix. Cornell Powell was drafted last year. That would mean that means he would be a practice squad guy for the second straight year. Uh, why those last two spots? Why is it Gordon and Ross? Well, I think the fact that they even brought Josh Gordon back says a lot, considering he didn't do anything last year. But he did get brought in in the middle of the season, didn't really have the time to learn the playbook. And you see he's been working out with Derrick Henry this offseason. He looks a lot, lot slimmer. He looks better, more time to learn the playbook. And the fact that he hasn't gotten himself, you know, in the trouble that he has in the past has shown to me, and probably to the Chiefs as well, that he really has turned a corner as far as off the field goes and that he's dedicated to be a contributor on the field. So I think with a full offseason, I really think he could be a guy that can contribute this year. He's a big body receiver. The Chiefs don't really have a guy like him, like a jump ball type of guy. I know MVS is tall, but he's not really a jump ball guy. He's still really fast, more of a speed yak type of guy. So I think there's still a role for Josh Gordon. And with Justin Ross, like I said before, I mean, this guy was a first round talent. So I'm saying in the perfect world, assuming everything pans out for him and he stays healthy. I mean, how can you not have this guy as one of your top six receivers going into the year just based off of upside alone? And I know I like Cornell Powell. I like Fountain. But when you're getting like that fifth or sixth guy, it's not really about necessarily who's better right now because you're not even going to play that much. It's really about who has the more upside because this injury is going to happen. So if injury happens, then the guy's going to step up. And I think Justin Ross has the potential and the talent to overcome uh, a fountain or a power for that last spot. So that's why I go with Gordon and uh, Ross for the fifth and sixth spots. Once again, I just have one that I would flip on your list, and it's it's flipping Justin Ross and Cornell Powell. Uh, from what I saw at, at rookie minicamp, Powell looked like a guy who knew that this was maybe his last shot, knew that this was an opportunity to, for him to make an impression on coaches. Uh, when they're lining up for wide receiver drills, he's always going first in line. He's making sure all the uh, all the reps are, are 100%. He's on top of his game. I think he learned from the practice squad opportunity last year, and maybe they give him another shot to be the sixth wide receiver this year. Maybe Justin Ross is the Cornell Powell of last year. Maybe he's the guy that is um, stash away on, on the practice squad, gets healthy over that year, comes back with a, a stronger focus and a stronger camp next year. But that's just my personal thing as far as the five or six wideouts. And, and we're making these predictions in May. It's, it's May 10th. Who, who knows what could happen in the meantime? 
Uh, it's a lot of different things that can change before then, uh, but we're making wide receiver predictions. So what's, what's your what's your take on Josh Gordon? I, I think the, the Chiefs are higher on Josh Gordon than I am personally. I can't really take anything from what he did last year. I mean, I know he had the one touchdown on the little bubble tunnel screen and uh, and that kind of thing, but them – bringing him back as early as they did. I think he was hit, adding him to the, the practice call was one of the initial moves that they made uh, in, in this off season. And then he's been very vocal on social media about the work that he's been putting in, how happy he is in Kansas city as well. That's another thing that sticks out to me. I, I can't remember. I mean, this guy might be the happiest guy on the roster right now. And, and he wasn't even the biggest contributor down the stretch. I think the chiefs want him. I think they see a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of potential in him, especially his size. And I, I think he just makes it based off that. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Sky Moore rehabbing a, most of this rookie mini camp said he had a, what he called was a minor hamstring injury, but was mostly watching as far as rookie mini camp was concerned, had his helmet with him, which is a good sign, but uh, no, nothing really to write about him from rookie mini camp. Maybe we'll see him more active at OTAs, but I'm agreeing with you, man. This is a guy that, I mean, they took him in the second round. He's gonna, uh, he's definitely gonna factor into this offense. And looking at some of his, uh, looking at some of his Western Michigan tape, I mean, the sky's the limit as far as his explosiveness and his potential. Yeah, man, I think he's a guy, and I've heard other people say this as well, but I, I truly believe because the ball's gonna be spread around so much, but it's gonna be room for him to eat as well. Because Kelsey's going to demand so much attention in a lot of these games, and he's going to be easier to double because he's more in the middle of the field. So Sky Moore is going to be like in that slot area. He can also go outside as well because he's very physical. He has strong hands, big hands for his size. So he's a guy that can also go up and get it as well. And, you know, I don't want to put too much on him, but just from the eye test, he kind of reminds me of Steve Smith, Steve Smith Sr., you know, uh, a shorter receiver, but a guy that's physical, he can go up and get it as well. You know, if he ends up being like a Steve Smith, then that's a hell of a, a draft pick for the Chiefs. But I'm not saying he's going to be that, but he, he reminds me of him a lot in his characteristics and his traits on the field. But I do think he could be an offensive rookie of the year candidate. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I do think he can be in the running. I, I truly believe that because it's going to be room for him to eat, like I said. And you're playing with the best quarterback in the world. You're playing in a very offensive, pass-happy system. So I can see him getting five, six, seven touchdowns this year, you know, about 70 catches, not not 1,000 yards, but maybe 800, 900 yards. So those numbers right there are at least going to put you in, in the, the running for the award. So I do expect a big year one for him. I was about to say the, uh, the numbers, it, it, would take a, it would take a big year for him to be in that conversation. And, and this is why I love rookies, man, because they don't know what they can't say yet, Mark. You know, they just in there, they're happy, the lights are bright, you got a new jersey on, you drive into a place that wants you. And this stood out to me from, from rookie minicamp from Sky Moore. The headline from Arrowhead Pride says, Sky Moore says you can't stop the Chiefs playbook. And this is the full quote. Made me laugh, man. Quote, I figured out you really can't stop our playbook. Everything about the plays, there's a way to attack the defense in every type of way. Everything matters from the split to the route to the leverage of the corners, everything. That's definitely something that's not new, but more amplified in the NFL. So you can't stop the Chiefs playbook. Did he watch the AFC Championship game last year, Mark? Did he, did he miss that? Or you think he, you think he was working out during that time period? Or what's going on? Well, to be fair... Did the Bengals really stop the Chiefs' playbook, or did the Chiefs stop themselves? I would say the latter on that. So I think he's, I think he's right. Come on, come on, Mark. You already know what time this is, man. This man don't even—he hasn't even read the whole playbook. It is May. He got drafted two weeks ago. Talk about, talk about. You can't stop the Chiefs' playbook. There are certain things that you shouldn't say. And I just think that this is one of them. I think if the Chiefs get skunked at some point in the season, or if they start off what two and four or three and four like they they did last year, this quote is gonna creep back in onto the timeline at some point in time. Like, oh, thought we could thought we couldn't stop y'all playbook. You know what? Like you said, he's wet behind the ears, man. Give him a break. I know you and those media guys in there tried to get the good quotes. You guys baited him into this, man. I'm blaming <laughs> you. Baited him into I'm, I'm, I'm blaming you and, 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 your, and your, your comrades, man. I'm blaming you guys. 
You guys baited him. You guys know he's a he's a deer in the headlights right now. He, he's not quite sure what exactly to say. He's not saying the PR stuff right now. And you guys got a good quote. It's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> You're part of the problem, Aaron Ladd. You're asking these hard-hitting questions. I, you didn't, I know you didn't ask this one, but I'm just saying in general. You're catching these rookies because you know they're vulnerable, and and you're taking advantage of them. I don't like it, Aaron. I don't like it. I think when you're a rookie, the best thing to say, you know, is is as little as possible because then you can't make a story out of it, right? Kanara comes in there, and, and you know, we want to know about the chip on the shoulder. We want to know, you know, do you want to start week one? You know, Chief started two rookies last week one. You, or, yeah, last year week one. You think you could come and be the next one? And you know, very humble, very uh you know, subdued, you know, I'll go in and work and, and see what the coaches want. But, you know, it's something about the White House, man. They they, they want they, the, the, the flash bulbs are going off and you a second round pick. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can't you can't stop the Chiefs. You can't stop the Chiefs playbook. I just think it's funny considering the last time we saw the Chiefs play, like the, 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 the exact dichotomy of that. The last time we saw them roll on out there, that playbook was stopped. It, it was stop dropping and rolling. You know what, Aaron? This is a thing that's been a problem on our show for a while, and I have to put a stop to it. We have to stop talking about that Bengals game. Like, we've brought it up multiple times on the show for no reason, and we have to stop that. It's, it, the new calendar season is here. We're not talking about the past anymore. Unless we're, talk, unless we're talking about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl in Miami. But we're not talking about this past, the last game against the Bengals. We are not talking about that again on this show, okay? Got it? Good. <laughs> I think we're always going to talk about it. And the, the truth of the matter is the fan base is scarred by, the, by that last by that last performance. Whether y'all whether admit it or not, I've, and I've had some Chiefs fans be honest. I've had some Chiefs fans say, you know what? We were the better team last year. And, you know, it, it still haunts me at night that we lost that game. And I respect the honesty more so than trying to than trying to hide the truth, Mark. Yeah, man. Next topic. <laughs> Bet the house. We're moving on here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. A couple more things before we take some audience questions. Appreciate y'all rocking with us here on a Tuesday on Twitter Spaces. Schedule's coming this week, man. May 12th. I know it's kind of creeping out a little bit. They letting one game slip here and one game slip there. Is there a game? I know we don't have the order that they're going to be played in yet, but we do have the opponents. Are there any opponents that you are circling as far as the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 schedule is concerned? Yeah, man. I mean, not to, I'm not going to bring up that last game, but I definitely want to play the Bengals again. I'm looking forward to that game. You just brought it up again. Well, I'm not bringing it up. I'm just saying. I just want the revenge factor. That's all. I'm not going to get into the specifics of that game, but. Definitely looking forward to that Bengals matchup again. Play them in Cincy once again the regular season. Obviously now, at first, this matchup wasn't too appealing. But since this guy came out of retirement, how about at Tampa Bay? Go back to the Bucks to play Tom Brady this year. That should be interesting. Obviously, Buffalo. How about San Francisco in San Francisco? That's kind of intriguing with the Trey Lance situation there. Kind of intrigued by that matchup. And the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. It's going to be a good matchup. We got the Rams and Arrowhead. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it, how you feel about this. I know that one game got leaked today for the Christmas game. There's going to be three Christmas games. One already that's been leaked was the Rams and Broncos. They have to put the Chiefs on Christmas, right? Right? You need Mahomes on Christmas, don't you? I don't want to be at Arrowhead on Christmas, man. I want to spend time with my family, dog. Well, what if it's a, what if it's a road game? I want to spend time with my family, dog. I don't... <laughs> yeah, Arrowhead. I could totally see Chiefs Bills on Christmas in Kansas City. So that was that was going to be my game because that's truly the game, and that goes back to our debut episode. That was the game that Kansas City should have lost. That should have been the season ender. Thirteen seconds. We all know the Grim Reaper and, and history happens, but that game being back at home. Uh, in the same situation, Chiefs, Bills, that team being a contender, a team that's knocked on the door. I mean, you've eliminated them the last you've eliminated them the last two years, right? Yeah. Like this is a team that you're gonna see. Uh, I, I'd have put my money on. I wouldn't bet the house, but I put my money on you seeing them at some point again, potentially 
of the 2022 postseason. Chiefs Bills, I want to see when that one is and what time it is. I know KC's going to have some prime time action. And then I tweeted, uh, I retweeted this a little bit earlier, but Chiefs Niners, man, that's a Super Bowl rematch. That's got to bring us some warm, fuzzy feelings. I know it's on the road, but uh, maybe Trey Lance is up to speed by then, depending on when it is in the year. Uh, and, and Chiefs Niners is going to be one that's fun. I know this is also not probably the sexiest thing, but your division got better this offseason. Some of those division games that you pencil in as, as W's over the last couple of years, it's going to be a little bit tougher against your your own opponents this year with the additions that they've made, Russell Wilson coming in, Joey Bosa come, or excuse me, uh, um, Khalil Mack coming in, uh, and J.C. Jackson coming in for L.A., it's it, the division got better. Those 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 teams that you usually say, okay, well, this is a this is an easy win in division. It may not be that way in twenty twenty two. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't mention the division games because those are just givens. Like you always look forward to the division games. I was looking for like the games outside the division. I, I'm really excited for that Rams game in Arrowhead. That's going to be a really rocking atmosphere. Whenever that game is, the rematch of the Monday night game from a few years ago should have been the Super Bowl matchup that season, but. You know, D4 had happened, but we're not going to talk about that as well. But, um, so you don't want to spend Christmas Day in Arrowhead? I think that would be great for you, man. I hope that happens. I don't want to work on Christmas. I, I know one member of this podcast isn't, you know, you, you know they don't they don't go to the games. and they ain't in, But that's a work day. It's a full work day. I don't want to do that on Christmas Day. Well, we're going to see because as of right now, only one game we know officially as far as the time and date is week two against the Chargers, right? The home opener. Yeah, that was going to be on Amazon and simulcast on another network that uh, I'm near and dear to. And uh, looking forward to that one. That'll be fun. Home opener on a Thursday, man. Who would have thought NFL doing all types of things and and doing all sorts of corporate corporate sponsorships? That That Amazon thing will be interesting. And I did see a leak. I don't know how official it is. I don't know if you saw it or not. I did see a Chiefs leak week one at Houston. Now, don't quote me. I'm not sure how official that was, but I did see a leak that the Chiefs are going to play at Houston week one, but we'll see. I saw that as well, and it doesn't matter when the Chiefs play Houston. It's a W. Yeah. I I hope that's the week one matchup. That's actually the perfect week one matchup for this team with all the new faces and stuff to kind of get their confidence going, get their feet wet. So I actually hope that's the week one matchup. And they played Houston week one previously. I think that was Clyde's rookie year where he had that. Yep, that Thursday night game. Yep. So that, that's that's not too far off, definitely. We'll look for that schedule. And next time we have a podcast, we'll have the schedule in our hands and be able to break it down. A couple more quick notes before we take questions and get out of here. James Bradbury officially released by the Giants. I saw that the Chiefs reportedly in the mix for his services. You think they still need him after loading up on all these corners in the draft or – uh, could he go ahead and sign somewhere else? I wouldn't say it's a pressing need as it was before, obviously, but you're definitely not going to pass it up if you can get him. I mean, if you get him, he's instantly your best corner. Like, I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, the guy was on top 100 players in the league last year. Uh, the only reason the Giants had to get rid of him because their cap situation and Giants fans are very, very angry. I saw a lot of angry tweets. Like, they do not like it at all. So that's always a good sign when a fan base is upset about a move and they're not happy, like how the Chiefs fans were happy that D-Rob left, right? So, yeah, if you can get him, go get him. But I feel like a more desperate team at corner is probably going to give him a little bit more money than Chiefs are willing to go. I saw the Raiders are interested. I know the Eagles are, maybe even the Commanders. So, it's going to be a tough market, but I would love to have him in Kansas City. Yeah, the price tag probably made it a little too much for a trade. And then you hear rumblings that a guy's going to get released anyway. Uh, Chiefs waited out and did the right thing there. Got cheaper and younger. Would love to see them have a vet like Bradbury in the room, if nothing less, to kind of do a one-year thing where he brings guys like McDuffie along, shows them the ropes, being that salty vet in the room. For me, this is all about the price being right. If the price is right, we'd love to have them in and could add to the, to the championship culture here in Kansas City. Uh, another another transaction that happened while we were away that's very near and dear to the program. I, I, I can't believe we didn't lead with this, my man. I can't believe you didn't lead with Tyron Matthew signing with the New Orleans Saints. I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe you can break that. First and foremost, as close as you are with the Badger, man. Well, we're not that close because he's going to follow me on Twitter, so it can't be that close. 
join the club on that one. <laughs> yeah, I was a little, I was a little salty for a day, man. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. <laughs> well, I'm he's like, no what? longer chief. He's a saint. He goes back to New Orleans from Louisiana. All the, all the legacy stuff there, and really cool seeing him sign on five hundred four day. I know if you're not familiar, uh, five hundred four is the area code down there in New Orleans, and he inked and had his uh, uh, introductory press conference on the fourth of may uh thoughts on his tenure in kansas city anything we haven't said about him on this podcast already i mean i don't think there's nothing more to say uh i mean he's gonna be he should be in the ring of honor i think he's a future hall of famer uh he was the leader of that defense he changed the culture instantly when he came in here won the super bowl his first year i mean vocal leader emotional leader i mean yeah i've said all the adjectives i could say about tyron matthew in kansas city but as far as uh, new orleans goes i mean we kind of saw this coming for a while, right? I mean, it was kind of right, written on the wall. Go back home. This is his last, you know, if, if you want to call it a big contract or not, this is going to be his last deal of this magnitude. He's in the back nine of his career. You're already joining a great, great defense. I mean, that defense is going to be freaking crazy in New Orleans. I mean, if they can get some type of offense, if Michael Thomas can be Michael Thomas of old and Jameis Winston cannot turn the ball over, I mean, that's they can compete in that division with the, the Bucks. I mean, it's them and the Bucks. That's it. So, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team, a wild card team at least. And, yeah, it's a good situation for him. It really is. You know, he's going to be very heavily involved in the community there. I mean, I know he already is. He never even played there. But obviously he's from there with the LSU and all the above. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. I really am. You could tell he was very, very emotional during his press conference. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. But uh, it was a very uh, monumental moment for him and his family. So. Kudos to him. I love how you said, you know, it's just them and the Bucks. You act like it's not two other teams in that division. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna hype up your Falcons? Is that what you're gonna do right now? I mean, I'm uh, I'm not gonna speak about that team on this podcast. I'm respectful of this platform. <laughs> I know it's May, but let's let's. Come on, man. We know the Falcons and Panthers aren't making any noise in that division this year. <laughs> let's be respectful. Let's be respectful now. Come on. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> One more note on the on the Chiefs before I propose a question about how their roster currently sits. It's an update on tight end Jody Fortson. It's from Andy Reid. He says there's a possibility that he could be back for OTAs. And this is a guy that we haven't talked much about. I know he's gotten a couple mentions on this podcast, but man. He flashed to start off last year, I, I think back to that catch in that Washington football team game where he just goes up and gets it, and it just – there was a clear-cut role for him in this offense, man. He had touchdowns. He he finally broke through on the roster, and, and it's it's tough to see him go down with that injury. But if he's back in time uh, and can have a full training camp, can get kind of some of that through some of the mental hurdles of, of tearing your Achilles and coming back, uh, I, I see another year for him where he could come in as a strong contender at the tight end position. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, before his injury, he was starting to really flash and show really potential of being a big part of this offense. I mean, he has the size. He was a former wide receiver, so he's obviously he's a mismatch because he's not your prototypical tight end. Like, this guy, he can move very, very well, and he has big hands, strong hands. He's athletic. Remember that touchdown against the Chargers, his first career touchdown, where he got up and got it at the back of the end zone, the arrowhead? I mean, that was very, very impressive. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm really high on him. I really am. And I think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder, man, and really prove that he's that tight end number two this year. Because I think that's very important because Travis Kelsey, obviously, is still, to me, the best tight end in the world. But he's not getting younger. And I would like to see him have less snaps, especially during the regular season to keep him more fresh for the playoffs, especially now with no Tyreek Hill. So I think a Jody Fordson, even Noah Gray, I'd like to see them get more involved in the offense and kind of take some pressure off of Travis Kelsey to keep him more fresh to extend his career. Yeah, man. It's uh, it, it's four wide, it's four tight ends, excuse me, on, on the roster as of right now. Kelsey, Fordson, Bell, and Gray. I think they carry all four of those, and I would love to see Fordson enter 2022 just like he did 2021 last question for you mark gunnels before we toss it up to our audience members and maybe they have the same question 
and it's a simple one. What roster holes remain for KC? It's, it's May 10th right now. There's still going to be some changes. We saw some transactions today. If you could wave your magic wand and fill a roster hole for Kansas City, which one would it be and why? Yeah, so I think the offense is totally set. I don't see any glaring holes offensively. And defensively, the only concern I slightly have right now is pass rush. I would like to see another edge rusher, preferably probably Melvin Ingram, who they're probably going to have based on what happens in a few months here. Uh, so I, I, that's my only concern because I know they got Karloftis, but the thing is he didn't really get home that much. His sack toes weren't really that impressive. Obviously, Frank Clark, I can't depend on him too much. And it's still pretty much Chris Jones in there. So that's my only concern, really, that I would like to see them shore up a little bit and add a little bit more depth there. But I love the linebacking core. The secondary, I love the talent. Like I said before, I think it's going to be growing pains there. But I think they have the pieces in place to where they can gel, especially come midseason, especially with them safeties, man. I think that three safety looks going to be really, really nice with Brian Cook, Justin Reed, and Juan Thornhill. So I'll only say edge rusher is my concern still at this point in the roster. We'll leave it with that. I got my guy Slim in here. Appreciate you raising your hand. What you got for us, man? You're live on Coast to Coast. Hey, you know, what's up? Uh, honestly, I didn't really have nothing to say. I, I think I accidentally pushed it. Hey, no problem, man. Appreciate you rocking with us. No problem. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That was simple enough. It's kind of quiet on. It's kind of quiet on a Tuesday, you know. I think everybody is is poolside. You know, it's warm. It's warm in Kansas City. It's, yeah, we skip man. Dumb they don't. Want, they don't want to listen to uh, us two idiots today, man. No. <laughs> well, that will. no. Oh, you said don't throw me in there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. In the city. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna link this week. We gotta get a picture for the fans. We gotta, yeah, like, you, you know, you know what they say: if there's no picture, it didn't happen. Say less. We already know. We are gonna have you at Harry's Bar and Table. I already, I already got the, uh, I already got the seat warm for you. Uh, you got a section. You bought a section for me. Yeah, I didn't say section. I said seat. See, you LA, <laughs> LA dudes is different. It's a sec everywhere. <laughs> Hold on, we got Derek up here. Hold on, I thought we was about to be done. What's up, Derek? Hey, guys, I had a question for you. Um, I've been trying to follow a lot of the roster, and I know that they're going through the mini camp and whatever, and um, I'm, I'm kind of a new – I'm kind of – it's kind of not really new to me, but to, for me to actually begin the whole season and really take notice of everybody who's on the roster and who's who's not going to be there tomorrow, it's, uh, it's tough for me as a Chiefs fan uh, to follow everyone. I've been trying to get everybody's uh, tw Twitter handle, you know, and try to follow them as best I can and welcome them aboard Chiefs Kingdom. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys specifically about the running back position um, and what you guys think, uh, who's going to be in that spot, who's going to still be in that spot. And, you know, what? Uh, we'll, let's talk about our run game. And what you guys think about that? I just want to hear what you guys have to say. Go ahead and take that one, Aaron. Appreciate you, Derek. That was a really good question because we talked a lot about offense today. And I believe Mark even said, you know, the offense is set. But running back position is still somewhere where I wouldn't be surprised if, if they made a move. I said this going into the draft and they got a guy in the seventh round. Clyde is your RB1 this year. And it's not a one and then there's a drop off. I believe him and the Texas Tesla, Ronald Jones, would be a 1A, 1B type situation. And that's purely based off what Clyde has shown us and his ability to be healthy, man. I can't go into a, a 2022 year uh, with Clyde as my workhorse number one with no proof that he can stay healthy for a full 18-game season. So you bring in Ronald Jones not only as somebody who can work alongside him, but also somebody that can step into that role if need be. As far as a, a third in that, it's uh, it's Pacheco for me, and it's because he's a younger guy. He's a guy who can come in and, and, and make plays in the pass game as well. But uh, and I wrote something on this on Arrowhead Pride a little bit a little bit ago, and and I still think it's true. I, I think Andy Reid likes a lot of different flavors at running back. He might like a bruising guy on first down. He might like a finesse guy on third down this drive. He might go a, a third quarter drive with all of Gore or all of uh, of CEH. 
I just think he likes to have little different flavors and little different options that he can throw at guys. And uh, uh, right now, KZC has a, a few different options that they can do at that position. Hey, man, I couldn't have said it any better. That's why you're my partner, man. You just sum up stuff. Now I'm going to say anything. So who's Batman and who's Robin? Just be honest. To start the season, Batman is Clyde. And Robin is going to be uh, Ronald Jones. But by playoff time, it's going to be reversed. I was talking about me and you, fool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. I thought we were still talking about the running back. Um, you're, you're Batman, man. I'll give you Batman. You're Batman. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be your sidekick, man. You're Batman. You funny, man. Coast to Coast is out. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. Peace. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.